afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 45. It's on page 559 in the Book of Praise, if you'd like to read along. Here the church confesses, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's Prayer? And that's what we read together in Matthew 6. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, prayer can be defined as obeying God's command to speak to him in order to thankfully receive all that Christ has already obtained for our bodies and our souls. Prayer is a result of our belief that Christ or that the triune God has done everything for us and result of our desire to experience his grace and to have his Holy Spirit in our lives. We confess that God will give his grace, the Holy Spirit, that's what we desire, only to those who ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. It's clear to see that prayer is necessary for Christians. When our Lord Jesus gave the introduction to the model prayer in Matthew 6, he addressed some of the ele elements that belong to a prayer that pleases God and is heard by him in the catechism deals with that question and question and answer 117. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 8, and then again 16 to 18, Jesus gives instructions about the form of practicing righteousness that is pleasing to God. And he uses three illustrations. He uses giving to the needy, prayer, and fasting to illustrate his point. The quality of the righteous acts of those who seek to be perfect, as he talks about in verse 48 of chapter 5, is closely related then to the motives of our hearts. And to teach us what godly motives look like, Jesus reveals the motives of his own heart. 
desires, his own desires. He, he lets us see what that looks like and how these relate to his overall description of his prayer life. By God's grace, in Christ, we today have a revelation of Christ's perfect praise, his perfect thankfulness, his perfect petitions as these arise from a perfect heart. And what a joy and a comfort it is to see our Lord Jesus even praying that perfect prayer for us and in our place. Because his righteousness is our righteousness. The starting point of our study of prayer is that Jesus Christ is the one who is perfectly interceding for us all the time. And so our salvation does not depend on offering up perfect prayers right now. It's something that we can grow in. It's something that we can grow, uh, learn as we also continue to grow closer to the Lord. And so we may pray as children who are already washed clean in the blood of Christ. Children who are living in His righteousness. And then the Spirit uses Christ's perfect prayer as the model to form the same attitude and the same posture in our prayers as followers of Jesus Christ. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, Christ reveals the perfect attitude in prayer that pleases God. We'll see that Christ-like prayer is sincere, secret, and simple, kind of following the order of our Lord Jesus in chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. And the Lord Jesus' teaching on prayer is in the context of Matthew 6, verse 1, where Jesus warns against practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now with these words, Jesus is not denying the importance of practicing your righteousness. There's no dichotomy, there's no division between what we do outwardly and what's in our hearts. Nor does Jesus condemn the practice of, or condemn practicing your righteousness before other people. Much of our worship as God's people is corporate. It's in a public gathering. But he only condemns practicing righteousness before other people for the wrong reasons. That is, in order to be seen by them. The Lord Jesus says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, in verse 5. Well, the word hypocrite comes from Greek theater, referring to the actor who wore a mask and was responding to the crowd. The problem with a hypocrite's prayer is that it is theatrical, answering to the crowd rather than speaking to God while pretending to be something that you are not because of the prominent because of their prominent place in the church and in the synagogues and their tendency to stop even on street corners to to pray pray at the right time and also Jesus other warnings about the Pharisees it seems clear that when Jesus spoke these words, he had the Pharisees in his mind at the, in the first place. However, we must notice, and you can look at it, 
Jesus doesn't mention the name Pharisee specifically in this context. Indeed, it's not just the Pharisees who struggle with the wrong motives when they pray. Although we may not be card-carrying Pharisees, it's not hard to, to think about times in our own lives when we have looked at God and ourselves in a similar way to what our Lord Jesus is describing here. You can think perhaps when you find ourselves motivated to pray by the joy we find in telling others that we prayed that morning or by the secret pleasure we receive from knowing that people are seeing us pray, thinking how godly and how pious we must be by the desire to be known as a person of prayer. Sometimes it happens, and this is mostly in the, in the amen church culture where, where the prayer who's praying publicly is, is actually choosing his words to try elicit the greater number of amens arising from the listeners. Well, Jesus' teaching, his illustration, it serves to expose the hearts of everyone who hears and reads his words. He wants us to think about our motives for praying. And why would anyone be theatrical? Why, indeed? The first reason is that we have associated the person who prays with piety. People are easily impressed with outward signs of godliness and can be fooled into believing that sin can't really touch the praying person. But sadly, Jesus' words remind us that sinfulness is not only found among those who are living wild lives of sensuality, but even among the most pious. Sin is there even among those who are on their knees in the presence of God. It is all pervasive. We need God's grace in every corner of our lives. And as a result, we come to the second possible reason for prayer hypocrisy, and that is that among the religious communities, a praying person is spoken of in lofty terms, is often given honor and even a place of prestige in the community. And Jesus says they get their reward, but it is here on earth, and it is all that they get. Jesus teaches his disciples then that when he prayed, he wasn't thinking about the people around him and how they looked at him. But when he prayed, he was looking to his Father in heaven, kind of shutting out those around him. This is the kind of sincerity in prayer that the Holy Spirit also leads us into. Prayer is not an act, and the person praying is not an actor. We confess that prayer that pleases God is sincerely from the heart. And it is a prayer that is addressed to the one true God who has revealed himself in his word. Prayer is not an effort to communicate something about ourselves to the people around us. But prayer is the humble words of a sinner who is speaking to the God of our salvation. Prayer is not seeking to earn rewards that people around you may offer you if you impress them enough, but prayer is speaking from the heart 
to God without any thought to what others might think. Such sincere prayer begins in the, in the secret of your hearts, in private prayers in your home. The Lord Jesus talks about this when he says that the Father is in secret. Christ-like prayer is secret. In ch chapter 6, verse 6, the Lord Jesus says your Father is in secret, and he repeats that several times in this context. That's a unique way of talking. It's unique language. We don't often speak that way about people or about God in our conversations. It seems to be another way of saying that God is in heaven beyond our visible world. As Jesus further explains when he teaches the Lord's Prayer and he says, Our Father in heaven, the Lord God, he fills the universe and every secret place in the world. And so he is able to hear the prayers of his children wherever they may be. And then Jesus commends praying in secret or in a closed room, specifically as a solution to the problem of people who prayed in order to impress others. Going to your room will avoid any attention that may be drawn to your prayers unintentionally. This does not mean to say that Jesus is against corporate prayers or praying in public places. In fact, we read about Jesus' prayers in public places. We read him commending the tax collector in his parable, and that tax collector was praying in a public place. We can read also about the early church in Acts 2, Acts 4, many other places that they met together to pray in their assemblies. So Jesus is not teaching that praying in a locked room is the only way to pray, but he does show that personal prayers take priority in the lives of those who sincerely desire to speak to the Lord. Before you go to the public places of prayer, be sure that you are in a living relationship with your Father in heaven, something that is, is real, something that defines your life, that you are talking to the Lord in prayer regularly, not just for the sake of impressing others, but just because you want to talk to him. Public prayers are rooted in personal prayers that are offered up in secret. And we may be assured that even though we are alone, and even though we are not impressing anyone with the words we are speaking, and no one may even know that we are praying, we may be assured that your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In Romans, the Holy Spirit reveals that even when we are unable to express ourselves clearly with words, He presents our requests to the Lord. You can read about that in Romans 8, verses 26 to 27. And our Lord Jesus, in, our, in this passage, He con contrasts the reward that comes from God with the reward that hypocrites receive from other people. The reward from people has nothing to do with the actual content of your prayer, 
unless you were praying for the people, that the people around you might like you or might like your prayer. The reward for the showboat on the earth is the adulation of a perishing generation, but the reward from your Father in heaven is that he will grant you his Holy Spirit. He will grant you all things you need for body and soul as included in the prayer that our Lord Jesus himself taught us. Jesus teaches the church that godly prayer is real communication with the Almighty God in Jesus Christ. Not something we just attach to our lapels like some kind of pin. In Matthew 6, verse 6, the Lord Jesus said, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And if you look at that verse, you see that our Lord Jesus says, When you pray, not if you pray. Jesus did not believe that prayer was optional. In addition to this, Jesus understood that prayer is an event in our daily lives. Our Lord Jesus' instruction concerning prayer from the heart, prayer with pure motives, is not permission to forget about personal discipline. The picture he gives of prayer is not just some hurried words spoken to God while we just keep on doing our daily task, being active with that. For Jesus, it was important to stop and pray, to separate yourself from your daily work and to be completely focused on this outward act of righteousness. And since God the Father is paying attention to us, wherever we may be, we can stop, we can speak to Him, we can know that He hears us, and so we speak to Him in a simple way. Our Lord Jesus warns next against heaping up empty phrases, verse 7, as the Gentiles do. And he does that because the Gentiles speak all these words for the wrong reasons. They talk like that because they believe that the more words they use, the more likely they will be, to, uh, the, more, the more they will be likely to be heard. Jesus' use, use of the terms empty phrases, sometimes translated as, as babbling, show that he is not saying that we can never praise God with many different words. And he is not saying that you may not remember many needs in your prayers. But he is warning about just giving the impression of communicating with God this needless repetition, or maybe even rosaries, that type of thinking, giving the impression of talking to God, but not actually conversing with Him. Jesus tells His disciples, tells the church, that it's not good to try to manipulate the Lord God Almighty by the number of words that you use. And sometimes we get the idea that praying is like signing petitions and the number of words we use are like the signatures on that petition the more words 
the better chance that God might answer our prayer in the way that we want. The more people we have on board praying the same thing, the better hope we have that he will give us what we need. Jesus warns against this kind of thinking. Not because it's wrong to unite many people in prayer. Nor nor because it's wrong to pray for many things. But he warns against it because it gives a wrong understanding of who the Lord is. Our Lord is not a force or a machine to be manipulated with magic words and the wave of our wands. As if we are the ones who are in power, we just have to push the right buttons and God is the servant of the most elite, the most spiritual prayer warrior here on the earth. That's what the Lord Jesus is warning against. God is a personal God. Our Lord is not a force or a machine. He is our Father. And He is a Father to all His children. Jesus Christ, every one of us, old and young, we can look, we can speak to God, and we can know that He is our Father. And He hears the prayers of all His children. And when He tells us to pray constantly and in our confession, we also say that's important in, quite, in answer 116. When He tells us to pray constantly, He is not telling his children to babble empty phrases on a regular basis. But he is saying, live your lives in constant dependence on the Lord. Regularly open your hearts in his presence and ask him for his blessings and his guidance on your regular activities in this life. The Lord wants his children to speak to him in love and faith and trust and reverence with meaningful language that connects our hearts to our tongues. And that's how we're using the word simple. Praying does not consist of mysterious chants, but simple, meaningful language. The purpose of our language is not to try and earn God's favor through flattery, nor to try and earn favor with men by actually trying to use words to hide our true feelings. But rather, simple prayer is transparent. It's a desire to communicate to our Father that we desire the blessings that Jesus Christ has obtained for us. And like any communication, we begin by addressing him. And you can see this, as as we're explaining this, we're following the model of our Lord Jesus Christ. It, It begins with an address. He has told us who he is in his word. And we will use that same language when we pray to him. Simple prayer continues with the use of meaningful words to tell God that our greatest desire 
is to glorify him. We are children who trust in the Lord, who revere him, and we are committed to being faithful members of his family. We thank him for his grace and his mercy to us in Jesus Christ, and so our hearts are humbled before him before we ask for our daily needs. Simple prayer with meaningful language will mean that we ask for what we truly desire. And since Jesus Christ and the apostles have taught us to pray for one another, to make intercessions for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, it may be necessary to do some research ahead of time so that we may know what we truly desire, so that our language may be sincere and clear. Words directed to God in prayer about the government, the church, and about mission, they're not just place fillers included in our prayers to avoid confrontation with our parents or church members who tell you that those things should be in your prayer. The goal of sincere and simple prayer is empathy. True empathy helps us to avoid the danger of empty phrases. Thinking about who the poor, the sick, and the needy, who they are. Picturing the, the situation, maybe you think of the, the homeless in Edmonton, those who are living in the bush, bush areas of our city. Maybe you're thinking of some you met on some of your journeys, some also in our own congregation. Thinking about who the poor and the sick and the needy are and what you actually want for them from God and saying that in clear language. It helps you to avoid just praying for them because you were told that that's the right thing to do. To pray for them because you actually love them. Well, the same can be said for other church members. It's good to have a congregational news, a bulletin with updates. You can read, you can study, you can think about what you desire for those you are praying for. Same can be said for the government, for the persecuted Christians, for the advance of the kingdom of God. And when we talk about a simple prayer, we mean a prayer that is honest, that is clear, that is connected to the real desires of your heart, and that is spoken to God in sincerity and not to please people. It's a call to show your heart to God, confident that he is truly listening to you. We sang that in Psalm 116. The Lord is inclining his ear to hear you. A simple prayer is a confident prayer. We speak to God in the knowledge that he, and this is what we confess, he will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. When you pray, you can remember the, the words of our Lord Jesus in Matthew 6, verses 6 and 8, that your Father sees in secret 
and knows what you need before you ask him. This understanding gives us boldness when we pray. For we can picture a loving father leaning down toward us, knowing what is in our hearts, knowing what we need, and then being eager and willing to grant it to his children who come to him and ask him in reverence, in faith in Jesus Christ. And so speaking to God in prayer, to a God who knows, we don't have to give long and detailed explanations of the different points of view and opinions we have on on a particular situation and the best way forward that we think would be best for God to adopt in his helping policy. But following the example of the Psalms, we can give a brief description of the situation we are in, the sins we are struggling with, the desires of our heart, the promises we are appealing to. And we can say all this knowing that he knows. God knows what we need. And then he said, now ask me for that. Express your faith in this way. And this is what our Lord Jesus did when he lived here on the earth. This is what our Lord Jesus did when he fulfilled all righteousness for us and in our place. This is the kind of attitude the Holy Spirit works in the hearts of all those who believe in Jesus Christ. Sacrifice, self-discipline, and self-denial will manifest themselves in the fact that we stop to pray, in the reasons we pray, the place we pray, the words we use when we pray. So how then shall we pray? The Lord Jesus gave us a model or a paradigm to help us to organize our prayers. In the gospel declaration of his victory, and all that he has obtained for us can be found as the core, the foundation of that prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, we see what our Lord Jesus desired. And we too are led by the Spirit to desire the same things. And so we turn to the Lord and we pray that he may guide us to approach his throne with Christ-like prayers spoken directly to God and not for men. Beginning in secret before we go out to pray publicly and using meaningful language that connects our hearts to our tongues in all honesty. Amen. We'll now sing in response hymn 65, stanza 4, standing if you're able to stand. 